What's up, guys? Welcome to the Why Are We Watching This podcast. This week, Zach and I are joining five other guys for a jewelry heist, but one of us is a cop and the other one's going to cut your ear off because we're watching Reservoir Dogs. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I didn't have a thing for this one. What's up, guys? This week we are watching 1992's Reservoir Dogs, directed by Quentin Tarantino. This movie has an R rating, so leave the kids at home. It runs an hour and 39 minutes. It has an 8.3 star rating on IMDb. A budget of 1.2 or 1.5 million dollars. There was a little bit of fluctuation there. And a box office of 2.8 million dollars. My name is Sean. And I'm Zach. Why did we wait to announce who we are? For so long. Oh, I don't know, because I was just going. Yeah. Are you mad? I'll cut uh, it. No. <laughs> I'm a little frustrated, but I'm not mad. I can cut not it. Not mad, I'm just disappointed. Oh shut up, Dad. Uh, I didn't come here for this. <clears throat> you live here. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We'll put it at the if top you of the seen episode. this movie, it's been out for twenty years. And that was you have no excuse, just like Zach had no excuse. Very true. I'm also selective with my movies. I also always get this movie crossed for some reason with The Usual Suspects. Oh, interesting. Was that even was that Quentin Tarantino? No. Okay. Yeah. So and I don't know why. Different movies too. I know, but every time I hear Reservoir Dogs, I'm like Ed Norton. <laughs> He's totally in that movie. I don't even think Which? Ed Norton's in The Usual Suspects. Isn't he? No. What fucking movie is he in then? Fight Club. Not fucking Fight Club. I know Fight Club. Uh, Birdman? It must be Birdman. Birdman? He was in the... Oh, yeah. that's right. No, it's not what I'm thinking of, you <laughs> fucking asshole. There would have been a cool cross-reference if he had been in that movie with me saying all that stupid garbage. So, um, in this, so in an alternate timeline. Yeah, because Ed Norton and Tim Roth are in The Incredible Hulk together. Oh, yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. I was really stoked to see a young Tim Roth, because I've never really seen him in older stuff. I've only seen him... As like an old guy, kind of. Interesting. Well, Middle-aged we ju- guy, I should say. Before we jump into this, I'll give a quick recap of the movie. Five men are hired by a crime lord and his son to pull off a jewelry heist, but a little do they know that one of them is an undercover cop. When the heist goes awry, the five unnamed men decide that one of them must be undercover. Tensions run high and the men are killed off one by one, except for one of them who makes off with the diamonds. Yep. So, so to touch base on what you were saying about Tim Roth, yeah, I mean... I think the only other movie I'd really seen him like at a young age in is Pulp Fiction, which is funny. That's really right, Quentin he was in that. movie. Yeah, because he plays he's the, the guy in the beginning, it, the beginning that the holds very up end. everyone at the diner in the very end. Yeah, uh, well, the, it's the a wrap Quentin around Tarantino movie, so um, expected. Now, I, you've seen Pulp Fiction, yes, obviously. What do you Many think times. about What do you think about that movie? Uh, that's a you know, so it's really weird, and I was thinking about this when I was watching this movie. Um, because, uh, before I watched it and going into watching it and then finishing watching it, I was like, God damn Sean and picking this Quentin Tarantino movie. But like, I don't have a problem with Quentin Tarantino movies cause there's like a good handful of them that I know I actually really like. And Pulp Fiction's definitely one, but I also like for some weird reason I saw it at a, I guess an appropriate age. My dad let me watch it. I was in like high school, I think. Yeah. Maybe a little bit younger, but uh, you know, I got to watch Pulp Fiction when I was younger, 
So, like, when I was older and could understand it a little better, I knew what to expect with, like, the wraparound and stuff like so, that. And it exactly. doesn't throw you off so much. No, that's... With this movie, they do that a lot. And yeah, these, this movie and that movie do have that in common, that they kind of are non-linear. Now, you're right, though. That bugs the fucking shit out of me. Although, it, for some reason, in Pulp Fiction, it was okay. But I think it's only because they really only do that beginning scene... Sure. And then come back to it at the end. Well, and I think the other complicating thing about this movie is because you're focusing on a specific amount of characters who are together when you do things like that, it does get kind of complicated. Well, you don't even... One of them's fucking introduced and played by some guy, and he doesn't even have anything to do with... Like, he's... Yeah, he's part of the right. heist, but, like... You don't see him die, you kind of... You don't... You hear him maybe say a couple things. Right. You don't see him die, you... Uh, he, it's just that he did die, and... Cool. I think I think that was kind of the point, though, is for him to be like, oh, here's these guys. Just kidding. Everything went on its head. This didn't go smooth at all. Because this movie isn't about the heist. It's about before and after. Right. Because, you know, the intro of the movie is obviously them having their dynamic of getting ready to go. Yeah. And, which, about that, I hate Quentin Tarantino's fucking intro monologue in this movie about Like a Virgin. But uh, it's because I've heard <laughs> so many times, I'm just like, God, I don't care. Like, this is so stupid. And, like... I love a lot of the dialogue in this movie, but then there's times when I'm like, my God, man, like, unnecessary and kind of, like, brutally unforgiving. Um, yeah, and the use of the N-word is a little excessive. Oh, oh yeah. Here's the thing, though, is, like, which maybe he is, and I'm not necessarily defending him, but, like, I don't necessarily think he's racist, which is what a lot of people say. So Samuel L. Jackson's commented on that, and he says that he's not because he's, like, they're friends. However, that's what I always thought. And so I was like, you know, I, I kind of feel like, and I could be very wrong, but I was like, I kind of feel like Samuel L. Jackson's the kind of person where like they would refuse to work with an actual racist, but at the same time, it's a paycheck. So I mean, sure. maybe not. Maybe he's like, whatever, I'll yeah, take but, the white man's money. Well, and... at the time it's hard to say because I mean, here's why I would actually, um, are you against that being the case is that, yeah, they did work together when he was younger in his career before he kind of blew up. Sam yeah. Jackson, but he still continues to work with him. Yeah. And so that kind of tells me that he does have a close relationship with him. Yeah. However, I'll say that this is a movie and this is dialogue in a movie and you're allowed to say and do whatever you want with this movie. And realistically, these characters aren't supposed to be likable. That's very true. I, I just, I know there's other ways of doing that. And it, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about. Um, not necessarily that... Like, it's a touchy subject. It is, but... Well, it is, obviously. Um, but just because there's so many things where, like... I know a lot of people would just be unforgiving, which I definitely understand, but they it would be like, it doesn't matter. It's racist. It's not okay. And it is. It's the same thing, though, like, with what you're talking about. I was like, yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, there's definitely other ways they could have done that. It's just what he decided to do. Whatever. That's it. Well, there's that, and there's, like, uh, the homophobia in this movie. Like... Yeah. There's a lot of that in there that was kind of like... Yeah. I Here's the thing is I expect that kind of stuff with this era and before <laughs> because that's kind of what they were doing. However, there's times when I'm like, man, this is really going like much longer and farther than it needed to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Like Michael Madsen's scene with Chris Penn when they're like wrestling and then Chris Penn's like, you tried to fuck me on your floor, pa. I was just like, okay, this scene's kind of unnecessary. Like... I mean, you're not making like me like these guys. I feel like a lot of the scenes were really unnecessary. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I'll say Chris Penn, 
Uh, I actually really is like here's the thing. Is I like, wanted to see Sean Penn. I would rather see him. Sean oh, Penn. absolutely. <laughs> but you already have Michael Madsen, who kind of almost like Sean yeah. Penn looks like a fusion of those two. You know, Michael Madsen in this movie looks like if Elvis Presley lived in a trailer park. He also kind of looks like the guy from the Allstate commercials, Mayhem or whatever. Um, and he played the Vulture in Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> uh, he kind of looks like that guy. You know what's really funny is like I don't. I looked up his stuff on IMDb, his filmography or whatever. Michael Madsen's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he he's been in a lot of things I know of that I've never seen, which actually one of those gave me an idea of probably what we're gonna do next week. Oh, cool. So you'll find out later. Um, but he's also done a lot of video games. He was in Grand Theft Auto Three. Um, he was also in, he was in like two of, uh, which Grand Theft Auto 3 wasn't like one of my favorite games. It was Vice it was City game, for Grand Theft Auto, because that was the game that introduced me to that, and I just loved all the, like, the cars and the motorcycles and the music, and, sure. and, because it's like in the 80s, and it's in that like Vice, Miami. Yeah, that Miami Vice Yeah, feel, yeah. Uh, Vice City was awesome, and then I played Grand Theft Auto 3, and I was like, oh, okay, but I think that's actually the same guy. I think he's playing the, ca- the main character. I don't... Because he kind of looks like him. It's shitty graphics, but... I can't... I couldn't tell you, because I think I thought that they were, but read that they weren't, but they might be... Although, at the, in that game, they go to Vice... Or, they go to Liberty City in Vice City. Yeah. And they also go to Liberty City in San Andreas. Hmm. Okay. Which is interesting. Um, I think you kill that character in San Andreas. Yeah. Um. I never played San Andreas. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't. Really I have it. I didn't really get to. I have to. it on my Steam. Uh, I, I I've kind of played a moment of it. it maybe we'll play it. Um, it. It was in another game that I was like, yes, I was like, I love that game. Now I can't think of what it is. <laughs> and that's the actual one I was like excited for. But I also know from Scary Movie Four. Uh, and it's so funny to see him like go from this to like fucking Scary Movie Four. Right. Um, he's Dude, also he's, he's, he's brutal in this movie. He is brutal in this movie, and it was it was pretty interesting. That so this was probably uh, like cinematically that scene was probably my favorite. Um, I I want to talk about some of the other actors in this real quick. Harvey Keitel, I loved Harvey Keitel in this. Now I don't know if you're this? familiar with him, but the, the he's Mr. White? um Mr. White. Yeah, he's the devil from Little Nicky. Yes, exactly. And he's also in Pulp Fiction. And he's in Pulp Fiction, exactly. Um. Oh, Michael Madsen was Bud in Kill Bill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that was totally. the other thing I knew him from, but I was like, oh, what, what do I know him from? It, and I read it, and I was still like, ah. Oh. But Bud was the guy with the pussy wagon, right? No, that's, um, that's Buck. Buck, oh, yeah, I'm Buck, and I'm here to fuck. Yeah, Right, yeah. okay. Of course. Um, Bud was... He lived in the trailer, and he was a part of the the assassins. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The because uh, I was like, I don't remember that that character coming back in volume in volume two, thinking it was a pussy wagon guy. No, yeah, that's the guy at the hospital. Buck. The hospital. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but Harvey Keitel's Mister White. I love him in this movie. I love his fucking character. He's like a criminal, but he's like a good guy criminal. Yeah, he's got a soft spot. Although he's, you know, he does some questionable shit and he's not like necessarily likable. He d- you feel for him in this movie. You feel like for him as a person in this movie and I like that. Yeah. But he also has some like of the best lines. He has like the most humanity out of all of them. Totally, but also like the most like machismo and confidence because Dude, he yeah. drops the line, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. I was like, whoa, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. That's what's up. That's tight. Um, Steve Buscemi's in this movie. Yeah. And 
I love him in this movie, but I hate his fucking character. But that's why I love him in this movie, because he just nails it. He's an asshole. And he's the fucking... What, spoiler alert. He's the one that fucking gets away with the diamonds. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is I didn't hate his character. I actually liked his character because he was so logical and thought everything out. He's like, we can't be doing this. No, totally. We're going to get fucking caught. And in the end, he's like, I'm looking out for myself. Uh, I also know where the fucking diamonds are, so I'll totally. go ahead and treat myself to that. All the other dudes fucking killed each other, so... Which, that that's a brutal scene, too. But I actually love the... Um... The shot of Steve Buscemi on the ground with the gun up and Harvey Keitel with the gun pointed down at him right after he like, kicks the shit out of him. He literally like, pushes yeah. him to the ground and starts kicking him and then yeah. they pull the guns on each other and there's that camera where the, the cameraman's like moving away from them yeah. uh, and they're, they're standing like that and that's when Mr. Blonde is introduced, which is Michael Madsen. Yeah. Uh, that, sh- that shot to me, I'm just like, fuck, that's so cool and it's like so iconic. It's one of the posters for the film, but yeah. I just love that shit. And, um, but Tim Roth, Tim Roth, since we kind of talked about him, I like him in this movie. I listening to him hold his accent is really tough because like he does some weird shit with his voice where I can tell that he's just trying to like act but also not drop his accent and then there's times when his accent just falls out. Uh yeah, cuz he kind of has a, like this weird kind of like not quite nasally, but just like this. He kind sounds of like Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> doing no, stand up. No, and how dare you shame him like that? Uh, no, uh, I love him, and I actually love him in this movie. I love like when they show his character like learning the commode uh, scene, when he's like, it shows him like going through it with the other yeah, cop all those times. Uh, and that's that actual reenactment scene was so cool. The way it was like shot with him talking to the his, cops. That's and... the thing is, like, I didn't really start taking interest into this movie. Well, okay, I, I started to when we meet Mr. Blonde. But then once we start meeting Mr. Orange, I was like, okay, finally. And I was like, oh, finally, this is, like, kind of getting good. Right. The thing was, though, I thought Mr. White was going to be the cop the whole time. Oh, really? Yeah, and I honestly felt like that was kind of a better story. Um, interesting. Well, but I, I but then so with the, the way thing it pans out, though, it's kind of brutal. No, it is, and it's fucked up, and it sucks. Um, but, like, I was, like, thinking he was doing the long fucking con. The longest of con. Well, yeah. really, Tim Roth is doing the long con. He's on the ground bleeding out. No, that's not what I mean, though, because he had known that he had known Joe for so long and been working you mean with the him longest for so of cons long. that's what i mean is i was like what if he has been like a cop this whole time and has been running jobs with these guys and then finally he's like we're going to finally bust him god and like Maybe, but and that was know. the thing and i was like it, just cuz the way he was talking and and like giving out his info and stuff like that and uh it just kind of seemed like me, and and that he was like a good guy kind of that's what i was like maybe he's the cop sure um i thought tim roth was just the dumb kid that got like roped into it he was probably the shitty one and that's why he got shot which him getting shot that whole scene dude i was like fuck man that sucks it's like literally like so terrible bad luck he had the worst luck because he's like this undercover cop he fucking kills a civilian Gets shot by a civilian. And he's, like, watching these guys kill cops left and right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's that's tough to be in that situation. And then he just dies anyway. 
Um, I'd also like to comment that Steve Buscemi is the only goatee acceptable by man. He's the only <laughs> goatee that I wasn't like, eh, it doesn't look terrible. Oh, but God, I think it's I felt because, like it's dead. I think it's because he already kind of looks like an animal of some sort, so I'm like, yeah, throw as much hair on there as you can get, buddy. Let's really go somewhere with this. Let's and see what we can do. That's the most facial hair I've ever seen on the man, so I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, oh, no, he totally plays like a homo. Uh, homo. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> So sorry, I meant hobo, which that's probably still terrible, I guess. A homeless person. I'm pretty sure he plays... Oh, it's in uh, Big Daddy. I know. I am so sorry to everyone that I just said that. Uh, I did not mean to say that. I'm not like that. Um, yeah, in Big Daddy, he plays like this homeless guy with like a fucking huge beard, dude. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he looks yeah, terrifying. That's, that's terrifying in that, though. No, it's not. He no. actually looks pretty normal. <laughs> he looks... <laughs> no, he looks the most normal in uh, uh, Mr. Deeds. <laughs> that's crazy eyes? That's fucking fucked up, dude. Um, I... I don't know, I... I really think I agree with you on the whole Mr. White thing. Like with him being the cop, would have been an interesting take on it. This movie is like really heavily influenced by another movie. Wow. Um, by a movie I'm gonna from, make my version by a movie from Hong Kong, and it's got a lot of like similar shots and dialogue, even. Okay. And uh, so it's that's like, kind of interesting, though. Like. It's right. not like it's like from a movie that was made in America. No, for I mean, sure. I get it. I get it. It's just I, interesting. It's um, kind of like the American version. You're right. It's still a different story. A different enough story. Hey, that's like... Uh, I never remember the name of this. I'm sure we'll... Maybe we'll get a lot of shit for it. What the fuck is the movie that Star Wars is technically based off of? Oh, fuck. I don't know. Uh, I just really love his character in this movie and like... You know, when he's dealing with Tim Roth bleeding out in the car and he's like, uh, you're going to be okay. Say the fucking words. You're going to be okay. And then when he's like, I'm going to die, or, or, you know, after they have their sentimental moment and then Tim Roth's like, but I'm going to die. And then he's like, you're not going to fucking die, kid. Like, I loved those parts because I'm just like, damn, he's like so over like everything. And he's like, dude, you're fine. Like, it sucks. I get it. You know, I love that. Um, Although I was like, damn, I feel like this is me being a dad. Watching him be like, you're gonna be okay! Well, it's funny, he's like, like, it takes days to die from those wounds. And then he says to the other guy, like, in another room, he's like, he's gonna die overnight if we don't get Well, he's trying to cheer him up a little bit. No, I yeah. know. I know. Um, I guess I'll wait till we get to the end of the movie. But there's just something about the end of the movie that kind of bothered me and kind of made me, like, I don't know. I, we'll get there. Um... Had you seen this movie before? Yeah, I have seen this movie. Okay. Um, I I first saw this movie. I think I was like a sophomore. So Dennis, my stepdad, has had a huge has a huge DVD collection, and uh, this is one of the mo- like first movies he ended up bringing over, and I didn't know what it was, so I just watched it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, That's. I mean, at least you're in high school. Yeah, I mean, I was old enough to like watch that kind of stuff. Um, like, no sophomore in college, bro. Yeah, no, I was a full grown adult, bud. Um, Steve Buscemi in this movie says, where's the commode in this joint? I gotta take a squirt. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, dude, did you just, like, have some really bad Mexican food? Or, like, dude, you talking about going pee? That was some rough shit. Um, the confrontation between Michael Madsen is pretty interesting. Michael Madsen and uh, Harvey Keitel when 
Uh, he says, are you going to bark all day, little dog? Or are you going to bite? I was like, oh, man, this is tension. He is, like, really just shit-talking this guy. Yeah. Uh, and his character's, like, so vicious. I guess we can get into his character a little bit in this movie. So he he ends up cutting the cop's ear off. Um, Which before, it was really cool, because you don't really see it at all at first. You don't he, see it. He makes sure to keep his head turned a certain way for the whole scene. So you well, don't here's see the it. Thing. And then you see it, and you're like, oh, fuck. Or maybe you don't notice at the time, is when that happens, as soon as he starts cutting, the camera actually pans away. Yeah. So you don't even, you're not even looking at them. You're just yeah. hearing him scream, and then it comes back. That was genius to me. Because I was like, man, it's just leaving you to like think about it, and that's so much worse than seeing it. Because you're just like, oh, man, how bad is this going to be, you know? Uh, you know what's funny? You say it's worse, but like, I prefer that, and I think it's better, and obviously it is better because it's what they've been doing for years. But I... I, I, I well, it depends. I say When I say worse, I mean more effective. Right, right, right. I, I know what you mean. Um, I was going to I forgot to kind of like, well, in some movies, like, I'm kind of like, oh, but I do want to see what's happening. Like, sure. You know, depending on what it is. So. Absolutely. Not but, that, but in I don't this really scene, care to see someone's ear actually get cut off. Yeah, in this scene, though, I think it's very effective. Because then when oh, it comes absolutely. back in, you're like, oh, shit, how bad did it get? And then he's holding and this dude's fucking ear like, to He's like, hello, can you hear me? He's like, I was talking like, no to way. it. I know, I, I kind of lost my shit right there. Well, and so he does make, he makes another joke with the cop. Before he cuts his ear or cuts him at all, he goes up and he says, um, he says, guess what? I think I'm parked in the red zone. He yeah. kind of laughs at him. Um, so about this cop, though. This cop was in the trunk of his car. Yeah. Well, before they filmed this, Quentin Tarantino really put the cop in the trunk of the car and then told Michael Madsen, Madsen to just kind of drive around with him. Yeah. So that cup of soda is because he went through a drive-thru and got a soda <laughs> with his dude in the trunk and then came back and did the oh, scene. that's really funny. And so I really, like, appreciate that because it's, like, he's almost such an asshole in real life that it's him just being, like, I'm just going to embrace this character and just be a dick for a minute, <laughs> like, whatever. Because that cop's, like, legit sweating when they open the fucking trunk. I was yeah. like, damn, well, dude. I mean, sure. If you know the story, otherwise nobody would know. Right. So, yeah, I said Michael Madsen looks kind of like Elvis, like a discount Elvis Presley in yeah. this. Uh, Chris Penn looks like a discount Sean Penn in this. Uh, I don't know what else I know him from, but I know I know him from something. But I, stuff. I I realized who he was like right away. But I was like, oh, I can't think of anything. I feel like he's played a cop in something else too. I think that you just think noticed he looked like his brother, and you're like, ah, oh, I've no, seen him before. No, but really, no. you just wanted the better version. No, no, that's not what happens because Sean Penn is distinctively different from Chris Penn. Yeah, like he's a better actor. Well, and he's way skinnier. And... Oh yeah, there's that. But, like, I know I've seen... I'm not a sizeist. I'm not either, but I know I've seen Chris Penn's chubby face as a cop in something. Uh, He's in Colors. Oh, wait, that's Sean Penn, too. Sorry. (laughs) But, yeah, I was just like, okay. um, I don't know. Yeah, I I knew he was from something. um, You know what I love about Chris Penn in this movie? What? He keeps calling Joe Daddy. I know that it's his dad, but he's always like, I don't know where dad, I gotta call daddy. And he keeps saying daddy, and I'm like, oh god, stop. Like, knock it off. Um, it's like, why? Uh, also, cowboy boots through the whole movie. Him and Michael Madsen both. I'm just like, what is with the cowboy boots? I thought the cowboy boots were kind of a callback to something. Or maybe they're a callback to that in... Like Kill Bill. Well, because in Kill Bill, Bud wears cowboy boots. Too. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. But that's way later. 
Like, right. So yeah. that's the callback. Yeah. Kind of. Probably Although maybe. that's still the character. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, it's sort of a callback. Right. Him playing uh, that same kind of character. Uh, oh, another interesting fact about that is so um, Michael Madsen is introduced as Vic Vega. Yeah. During the meeting, when you love that name, that is such a cool name. Well, do you know the name of John Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction? It's Vince Vega. Right. So they are technically brothers in uh, Quentin Tarantino's universe, and they were going to do a film called Double V Vega, <laughs> and it was going to be about the two of them together. That would have been. However, because awesome. both characters die. Yeah. And so it was going to be a prequel. However, right. they couldn't get funding, and now the actors are just too old to do it. No, they should do it, dude. I kind of think so too, dude. It's Quentin Tarantino. Who the fuck cares? Uh, like, just true. just do it, dude. No one's gonna give a shit. Get that money. Can you imagine though that now? <laughs> Weird. John Travolta though clearly. If it was a comedy, then sure. Also, Chris Penn's kind of a Guido in this movie. He's got like the jewelry on and the track uh, jacket, <laughs> looking like he's trying to make some deals. That's just the mob look. Well, he's in the I business of business, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was kind of Guido-esque. I mean, he had the gold chain, the wife beater, daddy. Oh. Sorry. You're good. Um, one of the things that I forgot uh, until like watching this movie again was uh, when Marvin reveals to uh, the cop, whatever, what's his name, Mr. Orange, yeah. that, that he recognizes him. Yeah, Freddy when like, something. When he's like, I know you're a cop. Freddy yeah. Moonlight. And I was like, fuck, dude. Like, that's kind of an intense thing, too, because this guy just, like, took a fucking beating, and he knew this dude. Yeah. You know, it's like, damn. And then, like, to see this guy just get merciless, like, mercilessly just shot, yeah. I was just like, my God, man. Yeah. Oh, what cop? This cop? Bam, 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 yeah, bam. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I mean, you're right, because Steve Buscemi's character really is, like, the most logical. Yeah. Um, But he's also kind of, like, the coldest. He's trying to be professional, man. No, I know. And they, they try to, like, show that with the tipping scene in the beginning. Where, like, he doesn't want to tip and he goes on his whole tirade about, like, how he doesn't, be- like, believe in tipping and everything. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so he's kind of, like, this logic asshole. Like, logic-based asshole. But then, like, ironically, is the one that survives and gets away with everything. I think that's kind of funny. I don't think that is ironic. I don't think I it think is that's either. absolutely key. That's why he survived. I think it's interesting. He, but He didn't let his ego, you know, in, in the... Uh, I don't know, the whole, like, beast of it all, being in this gang, doing this. Like, he didn't let that overcome what he wanted. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's interesting this movie's not about him, necessarily, because it really doesn't focus on him. Mm. We don't even really get a behind-the-scenes of him at all. That's very true. So, but he's ultimately the survivor. Like, he's the one that wins, yeah, because he was the smartest one. It's just I just think that's interesting that he's not even like a focal point in the movie necessarily. Although he does have like some of the major scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um, I just like those intelligent characters, and I like when uh, I don't know. I I like when characters are intelligent, and therefore they're cold because they know they got to do what they got to do. It's really not that different from being Batman. No, you're right. Um. I mean, Steve Buscemi could be Batman. I don't know about that. I think you're really pulling the Ah, uh, he could be Batman. I mean, if he I was mean, like... He played that guy. If he was like a foot taller. <laughs> maybe 100 pounds heavier. Maybe the Joker. Oh, he'd be a He's creepy. got the look. He'd be a good Riddler. <laughs> nah, nah, nah kind of. He'd be a hilarious Riddler. <laughs> he would be a ridiculous Riddler, but I'd love it. 
Did you? What do you think of Stephen Wright's cameo in this? I was wondering if you caught this. Who's the the, the comedian? comedian? Yeah. Where was he at? He's the radio operator. So you hear him in oh, between you just songs hear him. and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh really? I love it because every time I hear his voice, I'm like this motherfucker. <laughs> like. <laughs> Nine one one nine one one. We got an emergency. Call well, he's doing the radio. Respond. Oh. So he's the guy in between songs talking. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like a police radio. No, no, no. So he's like actually like you hear him. Oh, when Vic Vega turns on the radio. And in the very beginning, when that shows the guys walking. Gotcha. Because he's like telling you what song is gonna come on next, and then the song comes on and the guys come walking out. Yeah. Which I love that scene by the way. The like stuttery scene of them walking in slow oh, black I hated and white. It. Although I hate the stuttery because it what that was is they filmed it uh like twenty four frames and then when they slowed it down it's playing at less than twenty four, so it stutters the image yeah. instead of slowing it down. The solution to that is film at sixty frames and then slow it down because then it looks smooth. Right. I did not particularly like that scene because I thought it just looked like a bunch of goons. I don't know. I just thought it was cool. I didn't, to see think, them they, all I didn't think they looked so cool with the fucking old ass guys in that group. Hey man, they were pros. I get it. <laughs> One of them dies off before you see him do anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fucking Mr. Blue. Is that guy a big actor too? I think he's a, an actor from back in the day. So I think the whole point was he was kind of like Quentin Tarantino dropping a cameo, of like an actor. He sure. Likes. Okay. So once you think, think about like that kind of stuff, it starts to And then like, he put oh, himself okay. in the movie. And... Of course he did. Which I was so fucking dumb. Why'd you let the guy that got shot in the fucking head drive a car? Which, did he get shot? Because... That's it... what they said. And then he had blood just like running down. But he's just like... I was very confused by that scene. I, I guess I they didn't They said Mr. Brown got like... shot in the head. I saw him die. I guess I didn't like hear that, but... Oh, I... maybe they're talking about Mr. Blue. No, they probably were talking about him, but I just was, like, so confused. I was like, did he get shot in the head? He's, like, pretty aware for someone who just got shot in the fucking forehead. When he drove a fucking car ha- for however long? Yeah, exactly. And the only reason why he stopped was because he couldn't see anymore, apparently, because there's blood in his eyes. Well, that's the thing, though. He's like, he's like, I- I'm blind. He's like, oh, no, you yeah. just got blood in your eyes. Well, it, I mean, maybe he was blind because he got right. shot in the fucking head. Um, and that part of his brain stopped fucking working. When Joe, his, Chris Penn, uh, finally show up and Tim Roth tries to kind of sell the story of what happened with Michael Madsen. Yeah, and he's like, that dude, like, went to jail for four years for my dad. Like, yeah. And he just got out of prison and we gave him a job and he could have walked if he had given my dad's name, but he didn't. He did the time. Like right. a man. And he's like, you're telling me that he was just going to kill us and run off with those jewels? But Joe also and knows right away who that Tim Roth is the cop. Yeah. Which I was like, damn. Well, it wasn't that impressive, though, just because he was like, he was the only one I was 100% on. And and then Mr. White was like, that's your fucking thing? You just weren't 100% on him? But it he wasn't was right. And he makes a point by saying, oh, you don't need that when, you don't need proof when you've got instinct. Sure, but like... But look where that got him. Sure. Yeah, fucking dead. Everybody dead. Which That's what I mean. I like, like that scene, though. I like seeing everybody go down that way. And why... It's like, if you knew that, why the fuck didn't you stop that? Yeah, I kind of agreed, too. That's stupid. I think that he didn't catch on to it until the heist had already gone awry. Because they do explain that, like, the cops were already there and that the cops didn't start, like, actually coming in until Mr. Blonde started shooting people. Yeah. 
um, when he supposedly shot hostages because they went for the alarm. Yeah. And like, alarms. And it's like, well, they already hit the fucking alarm, so yeah. why'd you kill them? Now, my issue with this ending, though, is... Uh, that sucks? I don't know if it sucks, because... I think it does. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through what I think about it. The camera kind of pans in. Obviously, we have Harvey Keitel crawl up to Tim Roth, and he's laying there with him, and they're embraced. And he's and then Tim Roth tells him, like, I'm the cop. And Harvey Keitel puts a gun to his head. he does tell him. He does. Because that's why Harvey Keitel puts the gun to his head. No. And then the cops come in, you hear the gunshot, and then the, the yeah. screen cuts black as he gets blown, lit up, basically. Yeah. Um, I don't like this ending because... Why would you tell him you're a cop when you're about to be saved by the police? Just ride it out at this point, dude. You've been laying there bleeding for, like, hours. Yeah. You're almost done. Yeah. But at the same time, given how that's what how it went, I kind of love that he gets, like, taken out by the cops and that's just fucking that and everybody's dead. It's kind of like, damn, that's brutal. And it's, like, vicious to see how, like, one dude being kind of overzealous... And just being like kill like kill happy, led to everyone being like fucking dead. Yeah, it's just like whoa. and it's the guy that just got out of fucking prison. Yep, and the one that ultimately was supposed to be like doing good by this family, and he's yeah. the one that gets everybody killed. Yeah, I was just like, damn, really, dude. just a shitty piece of shit. So you just don't like this ending at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't like this movie. Interesting. Well, we can get into that. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I don't know. I kind of figured you could probably tell. So let's get... I <laughs> couldn't really necessarily tell. I was trying to read through you. So what are you giving this movie out of five? Two. I think that's... I can understand that. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone unless I really think they'd enjoy this movie. Like, if you'd never seen it before and I just watched it, I'd probably recommend it to you. Sure. <laughs> um, just because I know you like movies like that. It, for me, here's the thing. And... It's in, like, all of his movies, but it's always kind of different. And in some of the movies, I can take it. But this movie just, like... The thing that bugs me about Quentin Tarantino is, like, he just loves filming people talking about stupid shit. Yeah. That doesn't matter. That, that's and what I can do without in this movie, too. It drives me nuts. And it's like, dude, I don't want to fucking waste my time watching that. I'll watch fucking people on YouTube if that's what I want to do. On, on the other end of that, I give this movie a 4 out of 5 and do recommend it to people that really like Quentin film Tarantino and like film history oh. type stuff because this movie is like kind of big in film history and like because it was so cheap that's why it was kind of like was written to be like so different than anything else at the time and if you like hard boiled crimes type stories then this would be good for you it's it's kind of a mystery until the last like half an hour of the movie when they kind of or about 45 minutes when they basically tell you who the cop is but with that being said I can understand why you wouldn't like this movie because there's a lot about this movie that I don't like and that I don't think holds up I, um, so I'm going four out of five severed ears, but I completely understand your two out of five. Yeah, this one's just not for me. Yeah. Um, dude, I fucking loved Hateful Eight. Uh, and it's funny because I don't like Hateful Eight. Really? Yeah. Why didn't you like that? I thought it was too slow. Oh, man. I felt like it was kind of paced perfectly. I, I also saw I need to watch it again. I but... saw it in theaters, though, too. See, I didn't. And that was huge for me because the sound was so good. I was watching on this fat screen. Filmed for uh, the big screen, too. Filmed for the big screen. With film. Yeah, and, and 
and you know, I was I was interested the whole time, and I was guessing the whole time what was gonna happen. And you were um, totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was totally wrong in some parts, and I was like, "Oh, damn!" And I will say though, it does start dragging on at the end. It's like, when the fuck is this gonna be over? Yeah. Like, when are you guys gonna when are you gonna get to the point? And I that's that's his thing though. He just likes to drag those fucking that's movies out. That's what bothers me about his movies. It's like, when are you gonna get to the fucking point? But I don't think Pulp Fiction has that problem. I kind of agree. I kind of ironically don't think that either of the Kill Bill movies have that problem either. I agree with that too. Because, because they, I feel like... They, everything is kind of necessary to the story. Yeah. Um, so I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, this movie in Hateful Eight, um, I don't know what other movies I've seen by him. Um, well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's coming out this summer. Yeah. So we'll have to check that one Neil out. Neil wants to see that really bad. I think it looks pretty interesting. Oh, Django. Django Unchained. Django Unchained. Which is a great movie. I think but that movie's really That's a really good well movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a bit. It holds up. Yeah. No, um, I, I believe it. I just haven't seen it in a bit, and I was a little younger when I saw it. That movie's cool because it's kind of like a hip-hop western, which is how it's kind of been described, because even the music in it's changed it out for modern hip-hop music. So yeah. it's like, okay, I get it. And the way that it plays with the genre is kind of different, you know? Yeah. That's a that on that, guys. Yeah, that is a that on that. Um, next week, we're going to watch a movie. Yep. So make sure to follow us at WAWWTPod on the Instagram for updates. Thank you again for coming back. And we can't wait to see you guys again. It's been great. We yeah. love you. Um, peace, bitches. Peace, bitches. Nice. <laughs> oh, really? oh,